been a long, uh, not very exciting morning of listening to uh, oral arguments before the Court of Appeals in Washington, D.C. Donald Trump is not in Iowa, not in New Hampshire. He was in uh, Washington, D.C. as uh, they were arguing. The president is immune from prosecution for basically everything he does as president. And maybe that sounds a little bit, though, well, no man is above the law. Well, actually, uh, look, you got to look at it this way. Can you have a president of the United States making decisions, uh, being president under the threat of constantly being sued? Um, there is a very unique position in America called the presidency. It is unlike anything else in the government. Our founding fathers knew that, and they pondered this position very, very carefully. And I do believe that they wanted the president actually to enforce the laws, but not to be subjected to them in what would invariably, inevitably be a highly partisan political manner. All right? You got to let the president be president. Now, here's an example, right? What if the president is say, given an option, right? Mr. President, we have a terrorist in Yemen, and he is moving from point A to point B. He is in a car, and we need the order to take him out via a drone attack. Yes or no? All right. Well, let me see here. Yes or no? I want to say yes. All right, Mr. President, but we have to warn you that there are women and children nearby. We cannot guarantee that those women and children will not be killed. And there is also a report that some of those women and children may, in fact, be American citizens. Hmm, that's a tough one. But now, who is this guy again? Mr. President, this is a uh, hardened terrorist who is committed to destroying America and is actively assembling bombs and missiles and recruiting young men to actually go to America and blow things up. All right, I think it's worth the risk. we got to kill him. Boom! Take him out. All right? Now he weighed the options. Now, what would happen if the president could be sued for the collateral damage there, right? What if uh, the women and children or the relatives thereof, let's say women and children were killed in that attack. Collateral damage. It does happen in war. It does happen. you got to factor that in. You don't want it to happen, but it does happen. Should the president be sued for that? I don't think the president should be sued for that. I don't think the president should be held liable for that, criminally liable. I I, I don't. He was being president. He was making decisions. We trust him to weigh the pros and the cons and to act on the best interests of the country, right? There is a provision, basically, the Constitution, the Federalist Papers, you can look it up, where they thought about these scenarios, not necessarily a drone attack, but things that the president would do in the interest of the country, and he should not be subjected to follow-up prosecution once he leaves office. Now, uh, what about the election of 2020? Well, 61 courts said that there was no fraud. The president is under no obligation whatsoever to listen or to even care about what judges said or did not say about the election of 2020. Neither is he under any obligation to know about, care about, or listen to any mid-level campaign managers from New Jersey, like Bill Stepien, who said, Mr. President, I think you lost this one. Uh, Thank you, Bill. Get the hell out of this room, because I know I didn't. The president is allowed to believe that, is allowed to think that. By the way, I happen to believe that he's right. Uh, He doesn't have to... It does not say anything in the Constitution about some mid-level manager from New Jersey like Bill Stepien calling this election. 
It says nothing about Nora O'Donnell and her hair calling the election. It doesn't. It actually says something about the Electoral College and the gathering of those electoral votes and those votes being transmitted to Washington, D.C., and the vice president counting those votes. All right? So there's more of a process there than listening to some guy or some girl who went to Georgetown University. She must know with her hair and the lights and the glamour and the TV studio. Since when did we delegate our democracy, our democracy, to a bunch of nitwits on TV? NBC News, ABC News, CBS, MSNBC, CNN. Who cares? Who cares? They weren't around when the Constitution was around. Look it up. Let's look at the Constitution. What does the Constitution actually say? The president also, if he suspects that the election was messed with, do you want a president to just accept that? I think it's well within the scope of a president to care about the quality of the election. Yeah, but he's biased. Well, once he became president, we kind of uh, we kind of give him a pass on that. He's elevated to a certain point, elevated to make the best calls as he sees them in the best interest of the country. And I think on paper at least, If you have a president who's concerned about the fairness of the election, they are allowed to object. They are allowed to investigate. They are allowed to blow off what Bill Stepien and his friends said about some election. What does Bill Stepien know? The only thing I know about Bill Stepien is uh, Bridgegate. Didn't he have something to do with Bridgegate? I don't know. what. They keep saying that the president knew he lost the election. Why? Because... Pat Cipollone told him so. Who is Pat Cipollone? When's the last time President Trump listened to anybody? And he doesn't have to. He does not have to. And it's actually in his best interest to not listen to people. What do I mean by that? Remember um, remember the darkest moment in his campaign? What do you think it was? There were a million things, right? There were a million times where we thought he was down and out. But the time that everybody really thought, okay, the election's over was the Access Hollywood weekend. Remember that, the Access Hollywood tape? When you're a star, they let you do anything. You can, right? Everybody misread that tape, by the the way. He wasn't uh, boasting about sexual assault. He was stating a fact that rich, famous celebrities tend to do very well with the ladies. Sorry, it is what it is. They let you do anything. That's consent, let, L-E-T. They all they all fake news did on that one big time, lying to people or even not even just not 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 noticing just oh the overall tone is such and such. Therefore, anyway, um, everybody told them that he lost the election, that it was time to actually concede before the election. Reince Priebus, the chief of staff, later became the chief of staff. He was the head of the Republican Party, a guy named Reince. What is up with that name, by the way? Reince. Reince Priebus told him, Mr. President, uh, the only way, the only way to salvage this situation is for you to bow out and give the nomination to Mike Pence. Okay, Reince, uh, thanks for nothing. Get lost. I don't think that it was locker room talk. It was was locker room talk. I've heard all kinds of things in my life. I've heard all kinds of things. And that, that was not, that was not all that. It was not all that much. You don't necessarily say it around women. And he didn't. He said it in a Bus full of men, full of, (laughs) it was okay. All right. So 
He doesn't have to listen to anybody. And you know what? It's good. It's a good thing because most people are wrong. Most people are wrong. You know, if he came into office, first of all, he never would have run for president. He never would have run for president if he um, listened to everybody, the experts. He would not have campaigned in the manner he campaigned. He would not have governed the way he governed. He would not have made peace with Kim Jong-un. He would not have uh, spent political capital on building a wall. There so many things he did that the entire establishment said, you cannot do and you should not do. So get lost. I'm going to do it for the good of the people. And you can disagree with him about all that stuff. Maybe you think it's not for the good of the people. Um, now, we can have that discussion, but we really can have a discussion that President Trump was under some sort of obligation to follow the advice of advisors. He's not. Constitutionally, he's not. The power is with the president. None of these people are mentioned anywhere in the Constitution. The Deputy National Security Advisor, Matt Pottinger, that wuss who gets a lot more credit than he deserves because he went to China once, Matt Pottinger, he was one of those other January 6th resignations. I was so appalled by what I saw on January 6th. Yeah, so was I. Ashley Babbitt getting shot and killed by a cop. Have you seen some of the work I'm doing out there? You can go to YouTube. I talked to Aaron Babbitt, the husband of Ashley. This is, you know, being associated with uh, Aaron Babbitt and that cause has been one of the one of the great honors of my life. It really has been. And, you know, sometimes you just look within, you just do what's right and screw everything else. Now, on January 6th and January 7th, you remember the tone. You remember what people were saying. I refused to give in. I refused. There's truth and there are lies. And I'm not going with the lies. I am going with what I see right in front of me. I'm going with my my knowledge, whatever wisdom I've accumulated. Uh, I'm going with God. And I don't care if I'm the only one or there are three people in the room. You got to do the right thing. And and Aaron Babbitt and what happened to her, that was wrong. That was wrong. And there isn't a person in the world who can give you a logical uh, defense of that. Now, they can give you an emotional defense, and that's what they always do, and that's how you know they're losing emotionally. She was she was trying to stop the peaceful transfer of power. She was – well, you don't get <laughs> – all right, that's fine. Uh, you can't prove that. But we have a woman who was in a window 15 feet away from Michael Byrd who shot her without warning, by the way. No warning. Hey, here's something else. Michael Byrd was not in uniform. When I tell people that, that kind of changes it up a little bit. He was just a guy in a suit with a gun. And she, from her vantage point, we don't believe that she could see him. Anyway, we have any of these tapes from this morning? You got them, right? Okay, we got one. Now, they're not the most interesting thing in the world to listen to. You got two lawyers in there, one for Trump, one for the government. And he had about 70 lawyers in the room with him cheering him on. Trump didn't have that many. But uh, which which side is this? Which side is this? Well, let's listen. Oh, this is sour. He's got a bit of a rough voice, but he's brilliant. Uh, go ahead. Order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival. 
That's an official act in order to seal Team Six. He would have to be and would speedily be, you know, uh, uh, impeached and convicted before the criminal what prosecution. If you what if you weren't? There would be no criminal prosecution, no criminal liability for that. Chief Justice's opinion in Marbury against Madison and uh, uh, and our Constitution tradition and the plain language of the impeachment judgment clause all clearly presuppose that what the founders were concerned about was not. I ask you a yes or yes or no question. Could a president who ordered SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival who was not impeached, would he be subject to criminal prosecution? If he were impeached and convicted first. And so, so your answer is, is, no. is My answer is qualified, yes. There is a political process that would have to occur under our, the structure of our Constitution, which would require impeachment and conviction by the Senate. In these exceptional cases, as the OLC memo itself points out from the Department of Justice, you'd expect a speedy impeachment and conviction. But what the founders were much more worried about than using criminal prosecution to discipline presidents was what uh, James Madison calls in Federalist Number 47, the, you know, the, the newfangled and artificial treasons. They were much more concerned about the abuse of the criminal process for political purposes purposes to disable the presidency from factions and political opponents. And of course, that's exactly what we see in this case. I've I've asked you a a series of hypotheticals about criminal actions that could be taken. Hey, stop for a second. You know who you got to listen to tonight? Mark Levin. No one's going to be better on this than Mark Levin. Nobody in the world. Now, the fake news is trying to paint that moment as a big win for Jack Smith because of the ludicrous question about Well, if the president ordered SEAL Team 6 to kill a presidential uh, rival, a rival or something like that, could he be prosecuted? Now, ordering SEAL Team 6 to kill a presidential rival, that would be outside presidential duties. That's what I would say. That's outside the scope of presidential duties. It's interesting. In the military, we always had this. They had an investigation. If you crashed a plane, if you shot somebody by accident, right? They had a safety investigation, a legal investigation, a uh, culpability investigation. They had all these investigations. And one of them, the first one, was to figure out if this was in the line of duty. Were you in the line of duty? Were you doing your duty as described by, well, your oath of office, the commission, uh, your job description? Were you doing your duty? Now, I would say that... (laughs) Ordering SEAL Team 6 to kill some guy that you don't like is outside your duty. But um, promoting and defending a free and fair election and exhausting your options under the Electoral Count Act of 1887, that is very much within the duties of a president in the line of duty, ergo he cannot and should not be prosecuted uh, for that. But you see the way this is potentially going. Some of these judges had a good question. You know, um, they had good questions. Uh, and then we'll hear from the other side. Trump was in the courtroom, in the courtroom. Oh, and he said some dynamite stuff. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com.